Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, June 8, 2014. My name is and I'm your moderator for today's meeting. The share ID for Friday, June 6, is 6434. That's 6434. This morning, A Vision for You presents A Gift That Grows with time. The 12 steps, as outlined in the big book, represent a process of spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. The real advantage of these steps is that they are a specific method for producing a personal transformation. Our spiritual awakening is a gift that instills in us a new perspective. We are changed in the way we think. We are changed in the way we feel. And we are changed, especially in the way we behave. And what distinguishes the 12-step process from self-help programs is that this change is done to us, not by us. We now look for fulfillment from things with real and lasting value. As we awaken to the presence and the gifts of our higher power, our lives become filled with new purpose and meaning. Here to speak this morning is Carol B., a recovered compulsive overeater who resides in Hastings, New York. She has held various service positions in Overeaters Anonymous at the local, regional, and world service levels. Carol is a big book enthusiast and a loyal messenger of Overeaters Anonymous, grateful and eager to carry the message of recovery. And welcome to the line, Carol. Thank you, Leah. And I want to thank, thank you for offering, giving me this opportunity to speak and thank everybody who's listening. Um, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for OA. So I am grateful, very, very grateful. Um, I've been in OA since um, October 18th, 1976. That is 37 years ago, and I have never left, um, by the grace of God. Um, I've been abstinent for 26 years, and um, OA has changed my life. Uh, So... Before I want to talk about the topic, I want to give you an idea of who I am. Uh, I grew up as a child. I I did everything. I stole money. I hid. I lied about food. I binged. I restricted. Um, I'd eat raw brownie mixes. You know, t- I would hide. I wouldn't eat in front of anybody else, and I wouldn't certainly binge in front of anybody. Um, and uh, in high school, I added diet pills and diuretics and laxatives, and I became a laxative abuser. Um, and I weighed over 200 pounds. So um, I then went about my life, and I actually went to graduate school, and I got through graduate school, and I was working. And um, at 31, I joined OA. 
I was miserable, depressed, obsessed with food. I was a volume binger. I would have a bed of food and just uh, full of food. And I abused laxatives and diuretics. And I yo-yoed back and forth. I was up and down 20, 30 pounds at a clip. And I was obsessed with diet, my body, the scale. I used to get on four or five times a day. Um, I was on diet pills from the age of 14 to 25. And um, I, I just felt whipped. I had a good job and was respected, but inside I felt worthless and I felt hopeless. And I felt that I was a fraud. I had few intimate relationships, but all failed. I really desperately wanted to get married and felt I would never get married. Um, My last image before OA was of starving weekdays, you know, eating lettuce and tuna fish. And then on Friday night, I would buy boxes of sweets and other food, and I would lay in my New York City fourth floor walk-up apartment in bed. The the bed would be covered with different kinds of foods and I would binge until my stomach ached. And then I would binge more. And I would zone out, you know, with the TV in in front of me and just zone out with the food. Um, I then would take laxatives and I would puff myself up with, I remember, you know, towards the end, it was like 30 laxatives a pop because I, was, I needed more and more. And then I would spend the next day or days in the bathroom. And then I would go back to, to work sort of in a daze. And I was trying to help people. So here I was. You know, I, I feel like I, I never wanted to come into OA because I had heard that they were just fat housewives. And, but, you know, at that point, I was single. I was so miserable. And I met someone. I have a dear friend who's still in program and still abstinent. And what she said was that they, she just felt better about herself. So I wasn't sure that I wanted to stop eating, but I knew my behavior was really, really strange. And it was off. And I was a fake. So I met her at a meeting in New York City and I walked in and they all said, how do you pray? You know, then that was the meeting. I thought, oh my God, these people are loonies. Like, I I grew up in a, you know, sort of an atheist home, you know, Jewish background, but, you know, I had a father who was an atheist. And I thought, what am I doing here? I didn't believe in God. I didn't understand God. I was what they call an agnostic atheist. So, um, but you know, I was so desperate. I was so desperate that all I could do, I stayed. And what I heard was people sharing about food that I had never heard before. People eating out of the garbage, people eating frozen food, people like obsessing about it all the time and that was me I had a constant like a movie running in my head 
about whether I was going to eat or not eat, what I was going to eat, whether it was going to satisfy me. Oh, I'm going to be too hungry. No, I'm going to be too fat. I mean, it just didn't stop. So I stayed in program, and I actually got absent. I was absent for five years, and I went to a lot of meetings. I was, I, I, um, uh, it was like, it was a blessing. I mean, I used to go to five to seven meetings a week. I, I, it was really, really important, and I felt, you know, I was, you know, I'm a trained therapist. So I was a therapist. I was in therapy. I didn't feel like I needed to go through the steps the way it was written. So that's sort of like the story, the, the line of my, of me. You know, like I always want to do something different. I think I got a better way. Um, so we did, and it was New York City OA at the time. So, you know, people, you know, I had very close friends who were absent, and we weren't going through the big book, you know, page by page. But we would read, read it occasionally. We, we didn't have any other literature in the beginning. Um, and uh, so, and I was blessed with no, doing no, I mean, I was blessed with abstinence, and I was blessed with, Free, being free of laxative abuse. And so that, my being freedom of, free of laxative abuse has been for those many years, for 37 years. I have some recurrent issues because of all the abuse I did to my body. Um, but I have been free of laxative abuse. I don't binge on laxatives anymore. So I lasted, you know, during that five years, I... I had desperately wanted to get married, and I met my husband. And we did get married, and it was glorious. I had a wonderful, wonderful wedding. It was very, you know, I had OA friends. I, I just felt terrific. Then I had a three-week relapse on my honeymoon. So the reason I'm saying this is about the relapse is that I've had two major relapses in program. I had this three-week relapse on my honeymoon, then I was absent for again for another five years. And I always had wanted to get pregnant. I didn't think I was going to get pregnant. I was, you know, my, I, I had trouble for years um, with my hormones. And I thought, you know, I'd never get pregnant. And then I got pregnant. By some miracle, I got pregnant. And I was absent through my pregnancy. And then as soon as I gave birth to my son, who is, wonderful, um, who's now, who's going to turn 28 this month, uh, as soon as I gave birth to my son, I started slipping with my food. A little here, a little there, a little, you know, it started, you know, once every three weeks, once every four weeks, once every, that lasted 20 months. And finally, I didn't binge on, I didn't go back to the sugars. I knew I was a sugar addict. I couldn't go back to the sugar. Plus, which I was nursing, so I needed to be healthy. But what happened was I realized I, I met a, someone in program, a dear friend of mine who had also had a baby at the same time, and we met outside a meeting, and she talked about she had just been hospitalized for her eating disorder. And she talked about how she took a, her menu she wrote out a menu every day, and then she now put, the, put it on the refrigerator. And sometimes she forgets what she's supposed to eat, and she has to check the menu about what she needs to eat. 
And what I realize is, I mean, talk about detachment from food. Like that was a miracle to me. And so what happened was I, I realized that instead of actually committing my food ahead of time, I was very honest with my sponsor, but I would tell her all the things I did afterwards. I was confessing. I wanted, you know, to be absolved instead of making the commitment ahead of time and working through whatever I needed to work through. Um, so I began again uh, shortly after, and thank God, because shortly after that I had breast cancer, I was abstinent, and I have been abstinent since. So that, I don't know exactly the date, because, you know, when you've been in a relapse, you think you, ne- <laughs> you never keep track of the dates. I know the date I walked into OA. That was October 18, 1976. But my abstinence, my current abstinence, Somewhere in April 1988. So I figured out the dates, actually. I was just curious. The days, it was like so many days, 9,546 days. I mean, that is a bloody miracle. How could that have happened to me? So if it can happen to me, it can happen to everyone on this line. I'm so different than you. It is a miracle. We are all given that possibility. So I still was not that um, connected. I was, I was connected to my step work, but I wasn't really connected. And I wasn't really doing the step work the way it was written. I mean, I hung on to Ninth Step Amends for years. Um, I hung on to Financial Amends for years. Um, so I... And I never really felt like I could take people through the steps. I could sponsor them on their food, but I couldn't take people through the steps. So I went, I I began, um, I used to sponsor a lot of people, and then I realized that, um, you know, it was pointed out that I was enabling people, and I stopped sponsoring, and uh, and they said, well, there's plenty of other service, and I started getting involved in the um on the regional level and the intergroup level, the regional level and the uh, and the world service level. And in 2003, I went to the World Service Convention as a delegate, and I was oh, I, it, it's, if you ever have a chance of doing that, it is the most wonderful experience ever. So I went to the um, I went to the convention, and there I they have several OA meetings at the same, you know, at different times throughout the day where you can just share rather than, um, you know, you're do- going to the business meetings and, and basically working. Um, and at one of these meetings, a woman stood up and she said that she had been abstinent for 10 years and been recovered for five. And I was like, I just stared at her. And I went up to her at the end and I said, you know, I've been abstinent for 14 years but I don't feel comfortable saying I'm recovered. I just don't, like, I need your help. Can you help me? And she said, sure. She lived in Florida, and um, and I'm in New York. And I said, she said, just start start reading the big book. And that's what's going to happen. So I went word by word, and I would write her. I would write her these, like, pages and pages 
of um, my reactions to the big book. And I started in the preface and I, and I did that. And I was like totally amazed. Um, you know, sometimes she would, I would write these like single space, three, three pages, and she'd come back with good, good work. I mean, I wanted to say, oh, you're doing such wonderful, terrific, look at all the insights you had and what you said to me. So that was a real ego deflator. And it was really good for my, my ego because, you know, this is, we're just one bite away from, from food. You know, and that's what I need to remember. So, um, so I did the work, and um, we were both delegates the next year. And I roomed with her, and um, and it was I felt like I was struck because what I began to do, I wasn't see, I wasn't the the problem is that I I tend to deny a lot. You know, I have this this fantasy about, you know, like, oh, this is this is what's supposed to happen. Or this is what happened. Like, I thought because I wasn't eating sugar and I wasn't binging and I was on a food plan and I never, you know, I, I thought I was okay. I thought I was doing all that I needed to do. But what I needed, what I, through the big book, what I began to look at were my behaviors. I began to look at, inside what was happening to me, that I was really scared of going to a restaurant. I would go to a restaurant. I think I, I at that point I had like this limit. I, I would go twice a, twice a month, twice a week. But then I'd be scared of the restaurant. I wasn't going to get enough vegetables because I ate a lot of vegetables at home. So it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be starving. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to turn again to compulsively overeating other stuff, you know. So I would order extra salads, extra this. I would be like in a panic state that I wasn't getting enough. Um, so, and there were many other instances, you know. I still, I would take the yogurt container and I'd try to get. I'd use my finger and I'd want to get the last drop of things, you know. I still. Take things if they fell off the floor. Sometimes maybe I would start. I would eat them. Um, I would. I was just off with food, and I knew that. See, I'd given up my binge foods, so my trigger foods. So I couldn't quite get it. But somehow, working through the big book, working with her, and really studying, and seeing, and watching, and listening, and and absorbing. Um, you know, listening to OA workshop, um, big book workshops and tapes and, um, and attending them, I began to look at my behavior in a different way. And I began to see that that was addictive behavior, you know, and I needed to not do it anymore. It wasn't serving me. So, um, I actually had a whole list. I don't. I don't have a list of like of 21 things I had uh, that I had realized I, realized I had done and or was doing and and that I needed to look at. Um, so um, I then began to. Uh, I remember sharing that first year out of program. I, I out of working from the, through the big book. 
I began sharing at meetings about how I felt struck by like this miracle that it ha- you know happened and uh, working the big book and I uh, I had a lot of sponsees like all of a sudden a lot of people were calling me and what happens to me is that I also have a disease of like I want to help people and I then overextend myself so that I was overextended in world service I was overextended in the region and I was overextended with sponsees and um so I then had a spiritual, you know, my sponsor at that time, we talked about how I really needed to pull back and I needed to, to be more focused on my own um, on my own spiritual. I don't even know if she said spiritual growth. It's just that I had to stop, stop overextending myself. That's what I needed to work on. So that was a big thing in OA. Because I had I had gotten so much ego gratification out of sponsoring, um, so to all of a sudden then not sponsor was a huge huge thing for me. Um, you know, but I feel now it's just you know it's just it's a it's just whatever happens to me is my responsibility. And then whatever happens to me is what I'm, I need to grow. You know, I'm never, um, you know, not, I feel like nothing ever goes away until it teaches me what I need to learn. So sometimes things go, come again and again and again. So what I want to do is to talk about what, you know, the topic, um, actually Leah helped me with some suggested topics and I chose the one is that a gift that keeps giving and what I wanted to what I when I was thinking about the topic is the biggest gift that I was ever given was to be a compulsive overeater you know if I wasn't a compulsive overeater I would never be seeking a solution I would never have found this fellowship and I would never have sought a connection with a higher power. And those are the greatest gifts that I have today. Um, you know, a gift, I looked up the definition of a gift, and it says something given voluntarily without payment in return, as to show favor towards someone, honor on occasion, or make a gesture of assistance. Well, I don't think I'm honored any more than anybody else in this room. And I certainly don't think I, that, but I do feel that it was a gesture of assistance. Because I don't think that given the gift of a compulsive overeater, it just opens up tremendous doors for us. Um, so I... I studied, um, you know, I continue to study the big book. I have, uh, you know, I have sponsees that go through the big, that I go through the big book, and I am still grateful for my sponsees. Um, I try not to overextend myself um, because I really have a full life. Um, I have an unbelievable spiritual life, um, you know, but I'm not perfect. 
this is progress, not perfection. Uh, the biggest thing that I have to remember every day is that I'm a compulsive overeater. And it's just like the, um, you know, I, I'm just trying to adopt this opinion right now. And that statement, uh, we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. Well, my body is abnormal compared to other people who don't have an eating disorder. You know, they know when they're full. It's taken me years to know when I'm full now. And sometimes, you know, as I've heard many, some speakers say, you know, it's, it's not only the particular foods, it's the volume of the food. You know, I can, you know, I break out in cravings. You know, when I, if I overeat. Um, and uh, I think the other paragraph in the, big, in the doctor's opinion that I love is this, um, this paragraph in the fourth edition XXVIII that says men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. So I like the effect produced by food. And I also like the effect produced by my alcoholic behaviors with food. So the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it's injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, the alcohol's life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented. So what has happened, what I've realized over these years is that food provided me with a sedative. It had many, many, many actually gifts. It provided me with a sedative. It had a calming effect. It actually helped me feel, have a sense of oblivion. I didn't have to think about anything else in the world. It was my way to isolate. But it was also my way to get, try to get connected to people because I could be less anxious around people if I was focused on the food. It was my secret my sense of excitement. I could do things my way. I didn't have to listen to anybody else. I didn't have to worry about feeling. I didn't have to feel abandoned. Of course, in fact, I was abandoning myself. But I'm just saying that that's, that's what I thought that the food did. And then the laxatives, what that did is, you know, as a kid, I never used to, I wasn't in touch with my anger at all. I mean, I was depressed. There was a lot of, people didn't yell and scream at my house. Um, Everybody kept things inside and no one talked very much. Um, And there was a lot of under under the surface anger and criticism. Um, So the laxative abuse, even though I actually hated it, I loved it. I could feel rage. It was the only thing I could explode in the toilet. Sorry for being so graphic. But it was excitement. And it was my secret. I really, that I really didn't have to tell anybody. 
and it was my control. So all the things, you know, I I always I always think it's really important to figure out what what is the behavior and the food doing for you. And even though the restri- when I restricted and had very little calories, it was a way I could feel high with that restriction. You can feel great in control. Nothing is going to hurt you. So I think that through all this work, what I, what I, you know, I tend to still be in my head more than in my heart. And um, what I try to do is to, to be present as much as I can and to breathe. To try to get in touch with what I'm feeling, and to, um, you know, study and learn, and but really stay in touch with what I'm feeling, because I could so easily go into my head, and when I go into my head, I don't let the spirit touch my heart, my own spirit. Um, I used to feel a few years ago. Um, it's been about 11 years that I have been in uh, working the big book and studying the big book. And um, I have, uh, I've also had um, many areas of spiritual sort of interest and growth and, and um, to increase my connection with a higher power. I don't think personally the big the big book can teach you initially, um, but unless we continue on step eleven, unless we continue with our getting connected and understanding and seeing our own our own spirit and our connection to spirit, um, I don't think that I think we go back to food. I think I would go back to food. Um, you know, today the gift is I have an unbelievable. I mean, I've been married 33 years. I mean, it's unbelievable. I never would have never would have happened if it weren't for OA and a lot of outside help. Um, and today I love my husband more than I ever loved him before. You know, I have children. I have stepchildren. I have daughter-in-laws. My my OA baby, my almost twenty eight year old son just got married. Um, I am like I am so blessed with grandchildren and children. I never thought that would ever be possible when I came into OA. Um, and I feel like some of these things were like they're just gifts from God. Um, you know, I do a um, Every day, I start the day with um, with doing some spiritual work. Uh, it's because my mind, you know, I wake up and my mind, you know, starts running, and it can run the whole day. So, um, you know, my spiritual experience. Actually, what I want to mention before I talk about the the, the work that we do in the morning is that. In the last part of the, the spiritual experience, um, 
on page uh, five. No, I'm sorry, I'm using the page. Yeah, um, page five sixty-seven. No, it mentions there change eight times in the spiritual experience. Um, and I always, when I used to read the big book, it was like, oh, I don't have it like Bill does. And even though I had read the spiritual experience, I couldn't quite get it. It's taken me years to understand that the spiritual experience, it, for me, it's really the educational variety, as uh, psychologist William James said, because it develops slowly over time. You know, I used to feel that I had amazing things happen. I mean, for me to get pregnant, have so much difficulty getting pregnant um, in program. First of all, for me to get married and then to get pregnant, I, I, I never thought it was possible. And I remember being on a beach on vacation. I was 40 years old, and I, I, I just like started crying to God, and I said, I, I, I don't know if you, if you don't think I always thought I'd have a child, but maybe if you don't think I should have a child, my own child. I think that um, then maybe I should volunteer or become a foster parent or something like I, because I had had so many, so much difficulty with my hormones, and um, I just remember crying on the beach, and I um, I had taken medicine, I it hadn't worked, it, you know, it, it very 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 difficult on our marriage. Um, uh, I just felt like I gave up, and I got back to the states, and three weeks afterwards, I got pregnant. I mean, with no medication, with nothing. I mean, I knew I was ovulating, but it was like, it was. I mean, it was a miracle. So I knew that God's various points in my life, my spirit, God had come, had sort of helped me tremendously. I knew I was abstinent through a miracle. I, I knew all those things, but I didn't feel it was a 24-hour spiritual connection. And that's what happened to me over the years, particularly these last couple of years. I feel, I never, I don't even believe that I'm saying this now, because I do, I feel that I, that my spirit helpers and that God is with me all the time. Sure, in a human body, I go through many feelings. and part of what's been happening over the last years is that I need to I need to embrace all that I go to. I don't like some of my feelings. I don't like to feel angry. I don't like to feel um, resentful. I don't like to feel fearful. I don't I don't like to be dishonest. But you know, I sometimes do that. It says in the tenth step that it I it, I can have to continue it for a lifetime. I always have to watch for that. Um, so, you know, this thing about the spiritual experience, it definitely happens. You know, I'm like a slowpoke. I feel like I'm a turtle. <laughs> you know, that this, it's not, there's not sudden revolutionary changes. But if I look back in my life, I'm going to be 69 years old. It is like amazing changes. Amazing. You know, it, it changes the way I think, I feel, my ideas, my emotions, my attitudes, 
and there have been profound alterations. And I'm not saying that I have, you know, it. I'm, not, I'm certainly not saying that I'm perfect. Oh my gosh, I'm far from perfect. Um, you know, I, I often have this principle, you know, contempt prior to investigation at, on page 568. You know, like, and then I go, okay, Carol, you know that's you. Okay, let's see if, where you go with this. Let's, let's see if you can trust, trust, trust. Um, you know, so um, I'm just trying to flip. I know I had, oh, I was, yeah, I flipped this uh, step 10. Because, you know, way in the beginning, we used to hear that step 10, the 10, 11, 12 are maintenance steps. They're not, I don't believe they're maintenance steps. They really are growth steps. We never can maintain. In nature, we are a part of nature. Nature is either growing or dying. I am either moving towards my recovery or towards my relapse. I am never stagnant. The feelings that come up, I need to accept my feelings, all of me. And that has been one of the hardest things for me to do. I don't like it. I want to see myself as a spiritual la-la person. It's always loving and kind and compassionate. I'm not. I have. I am self-centered. Um, I. I do things. Yes, I do things for other people. But sometimes I do them because I want to feel good. <laughs> I'm self-centered. You know, um, I try not to be selfish, but sometimes I am selfish. I'm more aware of being dishonest. I really work on not on trying to be honest. But sometimes I'm not honest with myself. I deny to myself what's going on. Um, you know, this happened recently. I was like, wow. You know, 15 years ago, I knew I was chemo- chemically sensitive. And I kept putting things on, you know, my face that were chemicals. And now it's like, duh. Did I just, like, go into denial because I wanted to be vain? Because I was vain? You know, like, it it doesn't matter. You know, like, so, you know, and resentment. Wow. I get this email and I feel resentful. Well, okay. I don't want to wish it away right away. I want to see where it's from. Where is that coming from? You know, I want to identify it. You know, the other thing is fearful. You know, like, I... You know, it says uh, on page 84, our next function, assuming we've gone through the steps, our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. I can attest it's not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Wow. That is... That actually, that message is means that it's always going to happen. I'm like, oh, 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 what did I do? You know, rather than, wow, that's just another lesson for me. Wow, I can see how selfish I am. Wow, I wanted it this way. You know, I, um, we went to this wedding. I just went, we went to this wedding, my son's wedding. It was uh, two weeks ago. And um, I really wanted to dance with him the first dance. 
I mean, he's like my OA, like he's my OA baby, you know. And um, uh, and he agreed, and it was okay, and everybody was, you know, okay with it. And we picked out a song, and he liked the song, and it was fine. It was something he used to sing with him. And then halfway through the dance, I mean, he really was very, very gracious to me. He looked, you know, to me with love, and it was really lovely. And um, and I loved him so much. And then halfway through the dance, I said to him, wow, this is really long. I really, I, I, I really bet you can't wait for it to end. I said, me too. And he smiled. He says, yep, I can't wait for it to end. And that's what this gift gives me. You know, if I am worried about food and what I ate and what I didn't eat and, you know, what I weighed and what I did, you know, like I can't be present in the moment. I can't feel what's going on around me. I can't feel me. I can't feel the other person. I need to keep, I need to be clean to be present. Now, I'm not always conscious of what, what's going on, but thank God at that moment, I was conscious and I could talk to him from my heart and he could respond. You know, so oftentimes, as, you know, we discuss with someone, something happens to me and I, and I know in my, really, I can feel it in my gut that something is not right. Something, I'm off. So I, we discuss with someone else immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. It is, you know, love and tolerance of others is our code. So I think I'm actually almost, if I have a few more minutes here. All right. So the promise, the 10-step promise, is that we cease fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. Well, you know, I don't feel I'm fighting food anymore. I don't feel I'm, I'm not sure if I'm fighting some of my behaviors sometimes. Sometimes I lick that spoon um, too zealously, um, or I try to get the last bite. But there are many things that I don't, I don't lick, I really am more conscious of I don't lick the the um, the yogurt container anymore because like now I can't have yogurt. But that's, but the point is I don't try to get every crumb. Um, I used to um, I remember when I first did my I'm sorry I'm jumping around so much but I remember when my first um, when I did the big book work and we looked at my behaviors and I remember um, my sponsor saying to me when I told her like confess that I was licking the yogurt container and I only, you know, I wanted to do it in private, you know, and then, but it was breaking through and I was doing it in front of my family and sometimes in front of other people, you know, it was like, I was feeling, feeling humiliated. And she said, just stop. I, and I, I remember on the phone, I was like, what? So I stopped. Um, that day, I stopped. And I remember sitting in my kitchen and I had the yogurt and I looked at the container and I started crying that I couldn't lick every spot. And I turned my eyes upward to what I imagined my higher power to be or my spirit. And I just prayed and asked for help. Please help me because I don't think I can go through this alone. 
I didn't think I could give up that little bit of food because you see what I realized shortly then and I realize now is that the little crumbs of food, I was trying to fill myself. It was as if I was trying to, that was like God inside me. That wasn't God. It's not the food. The food is not my God. So what I began to do, I remember the first time I went to it, we were going out to take, take out food. And usually I had ordered so many vegetables in my takeout food that, you know, and I felt justified. Oh, my God, I eat so many vegetables. Why not? You know, this is the only thing I could eat and blah, blah, blah. So I went into the, the um, we were driving, and I had made a commitment with my, um, with my dear friend that I would only have one order of something. And it was like, oh, my God, on the way to the, restaurant I was clutching now, I've been absent for years of sugar and flour, you know, other things. I, I I was clutching the car seat because I didn't think I could do it and I kept praying to God, please help me. Help me. I really I, I don't think I can do this alone. And I think at that point is when I know that the spirit enters me. And what happened after that is I had that meal, and I was full. I had never felt full with so little amount of food. And so I think that was like the like the true testament to me. You know, that I, I don't know if that's the right word, but it was the, the true example of like really entering a space of believing, of trusting, asking my higher power to be inside me and help me. Um, so, you know, I remember when I had to change my food plan about, I've changed my food plan so many times, you know, for health reasons. Like, first it was for OA, and then it was health reasons. Of course, no matter what, I don't have sugar. But, you know, now it's like, you know, I'm weekly, dairy-free, green bean free. I mean, there's so many different things um, that I'm highly sensitive to. But I remember a few years ago, I was on a trip, and I do feel like, you know, it is portable. My tra- I travel around the world, and I've been abstinent. So I, I, I went on this trip, and my, um, I was like, oh, no, like we're going to the airport, and usually they prepare to go to the airport, and we were already in the country. And I was like, uh, please, God, help me, because I know all the people I was with were going to have, you know, whatever they can eat, and they're fine. And I, you know, had a couple extra foods, but I had no idea what I was going to eat. And I thought, oh, I, this is not going to work. And I, we're in this foreign country, and I just keep praying, please, God, please help me. I, you know, and then by chance we fell upon this this restaurant that served the I mean, only things I could have at that point were fish and cooked vegetables. And they had fish and cooked vegetables. I couldn't believe it. I mean, what a miracle. You know, and I, I, that's how I experience oftentimes. It's like sometimes I have to be desperate. Sometimes I just ask. Sometimes I know I need to do more work on myself. Sometimes I need to go back. Maybe I need to meditate. I meditate regularly, you know. I do a lot of 
you know, other kinds of spiritual things regularly. I, I, I look at, I try to pay attention to myself regularly. What's happening? Where my behavior? Where, where am I pulling back? What am I scared of? You know, it's like it's trying to acknowledge that I'm scared. You know, I've pulled back, so I must there, there's something going on. You know, I, I, I tend to deny. You know, and then when I move into, um, you know, and then I, I look at my behavior. Um, I study my behavior. Um, at night, I look at, I, I review the day. Um, I really lately, for the past maybe seven months, I've actually, I was feel, I had a spiritual low last, um, something happened in October in one of my spiritual things, and I, I had a really, really, really low for three months. And um, I, during that time, in November, I went to a meeting, and I heard someone say um, that they do, for the past year, they've been writing 25 gratitudes a night. And I went up to her and said, wow. I only write it like maybe three, maybe ten. I review it, you know. And she said, I said, I don't think I can do it. I'm, I'm so amazed. I, I, I'm like in awe. And she said, well, I started and, you know, I bet you could. And that night I started doing it. And it's been wonderful because like, during the, it helps me during the day think, wow, oh, I can write that down. <laughs> oh, what a, boy, I got a parking space. Isn't that fantastic? I didn't think I was going to get a parking space. Oh, I, you know, I uh, I got a letter in the mail. I didn't think I was going to get, you know, like, wow, what a gift. We were at a, um, something in the city yesterday, and there were no bathrooms around, and you had to pay, I don't know, $150 to, be, to get into a, a venue that then could have a bathroom, and we went up to the guard. My husband said, can you please let her go? You know, like I really had to go. And, and you know, so I felt so grateful. Like, wow, look what happened. This guy let me in. I didn't have to pay $125. I mean, it's the little things. It's not the, I mean, I've had many, many big things happen in my life. But the little things, the everyday things, every moment of the day, you know, that we have, we have, things to be grateful for. I think that that's what I would like to end with um, because that's the gift that keeps growing. Um, I I feel like recovery, the 12 steps, OA, the big book, all of that, my compulsive eating, my behaviors, everything, me, I keep growing and I thank God for that. Um, one day at a time. Thank you very much. Carol, thank you so much for your powerful presentation this morning, sharing with us your transformation. Truly a message of hope and possibility. Thank you so very much. Before we get started with opening the floor for a question and answer period, I just want to let People know that we'll offer Carol's uh, contact information at the conclusion of this recording, so just hold on for that. And now press star 1 to unmute if you'd like to ask Carol a question this morning related to what she shared.
Good morning. I have a question. Yes, good morning. Please identify yourself. Yeah, this is Mary Lee. Um, I'm on my way home. I'm in somewhere in California. Um, She mentioned that she was about her morning routine, and uh, I just would like a little more clarification on that. Um, Sure. Um, Well, I'm not sure if I'm... uh, All right, well, I do walk, and in my walk, I... um, have done a variety of things, but I'm actually um, I'm now a uh, Reiki master, and I'm uh, um, in a uh, shamanism program. Um, so I do those kinds of spiritual things in the morning uh, as I'm walking, and I come back, and I um, then I do. Uh, actually yoga, which helps me to be in my physical body for a while, and then I meditate. Um, And I meditate anywhere from uh, lately uh, 10, 12, whatever, but it can be 20 minutes, a half an hour, and sometimes more. So that's what I do in the morning. And then I usually speak to, um, you know, someone I'm sponsoring or or I connect with someone right now and going through the big book with another person as well as sponsoring. So, you know, I have some of those phone calls. Uh, sometimes I go to a meeting. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky to be retired, uh, so I have that luxury in the morning. And um, But I know what's quite what's essential for me is that I do my work my first because I can't give to anybody else. My tendency before was to to help someone. I had a lot of sponsees and I like, I used to, you know, and then I, I it's like I, I didn't realize that I just depleted myself. I didn't really work on the things that I needed to work on for myself. So my, I need to be working on my spiritual development. So, yes, that's it. Thank you, Mary Lee, for the question. Who's next? Hi, it's Kadia. Hi, Kadia. Yes, go ahead with the question. Yes, you mentioned that you met someone that's had 10 years of abstinence and only 5 years of recovery. The recovery that you see that happened to you, how is it connected to that inspiration you had with that woman? Okay, thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, Yes. Well, what I, when I approached her, the re- reason I was struck was that after 14 years, I mean, I've been in program years by the time I had seen her, because um, I met her in 03. I'd been in program since 76. So I had a lot of years of abstinence. I mean, continuous, I had five and then another five and then, you know, 14 years. But I didn't feel I could say recovered. And so what she said is the reason she felt that she could say now recovered is she started working in the big book. She started reading and studying and could see and feel that kind of recovery. And that's what happened to me. So that's, that's why I approached her. And that's why I began working the big book. Because I thought that, that was the way that I was going to feel recovered. Um, and I do. I, feel, I do feel recovered. I don't feel cured. I'm always going to be a compulsive overeater. But I don't 
In fact, I don't even like sometimes at meetings identifying myself as a compulsive overeater because I'm a, a, a whole a whole person here, a whole person, spirit, mind, emotions, and body. So, um, but anyway, that's why um, her. That's why I approached her, and that's what it meant to me in terms of the big book. Thank, Thank you, Skadia, for the question. Thank you. Can I ask Who's you? Oh, I go just ahead. asked you to say now I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Yes, I am a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. But I don't always say compulsive. I'm grateful and I'm recovered, but I don't always use the word compulsive overeater because I. it's a little hard to explain, and I know it's probably contrary to everybody on this line. But what I'm saying is that I don't only identify myself as that. Obviously, I believe in the big book, and I believe I'm, I have at my core, I was a compulsive overeater. I was a food addict, but I was many other things. I don't know if that's helpful or not. I feel the same. That's why I wanted to feel that's other people in recovery, they have the same kind of uh, identification, and I, I, I greatly appreciate your answer. Thank you. Thanks. Good for morning. The this is Ramesh here. Yes. Oh, question, please. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Uh, good morning, Carol. Thank you for for your beautiful story and your service. I just, you know, I think one of the things that I was thinking of as you were sharing, and I really love that you brought into play uh, boundaries and balance, because I think so many of us kind of struggle with that. You know, um, I'm not going to get into it, but there's, you know, the if when there's an addict, there's a codependent or whatever way you want to look at it. But, you know, boundaries in, in um, so how do you go about, uh, you know, the prioritizing with your family in relation to your sponsees, in relation to your higher power, and well, I think I'll just leave it at that. I think you can c- kind of get my gist. Thank you so much yeah. for your service. Yeah, I think that's a really big issue. <laughs> I, you know, I I um I remember when I was um I was uh walking on you know like I I had when I had gotten involved with the big book and then, you know, the next year and then took the, I mean, I had seven sponsees, some people, you know, in various stages of doing their step work and the big book and everything. And, and I was like, but my husband wanted to go to the beach, you know, and I didn't want to go, you know, like, oh my God, I got, you know, I got this phone call and that phone call, you know, and he really resented it. And I don't blame him. I really don't. So, I mean, there has to, for me, there has to be a balance. Um, and sometimes I don't know the balance until I'm over. You know, like I don't know what would be right. You know, like I sometimes I, or I'm under. Like, oh, I really feel like I need to be doing more service. Oh, I really need, you know. It's sort of like, you know, I agreed to speak um, in April on the vision. And then as it started approaching, I was like a nutcase with the wedding and then the, all the spiritual stuff and the shamanic workshops and all my homework and I was like, and finally I talked to my big book sponsor and she said, you know, it's not a good time for you. It's okay to say no. 
Like, oh, my God, I get, how could you say no in OA? You're supposed to do this. Well, you know what? It doesn't work for me because I get so overwhelmed. So I really, you know, I keep learning. I have to say I just keep learning. Um, you know, so I try to have phone calls. You know, my husband, we, we've gone through issues about the phone, you know, and I used to take phone calls in front of him. And now I don't. I oftentimes put it on mute or I'll look at who's called or I'll get back to them or I'll ask him, see, I really, is it possible? Do you mind me talking to this person now? But, you know, it's not fair to him. And um, so that's, that's been a, I mean, it's been a, a, an ongoing, you know, I, I'm much, I'm certainly much better and certainly we are much better. But, you know, I think it's a big thing for me. It was a big thing for me and continues to be an issue that I need to be aware of. I hope that Thank- answers it. Wonderful. Thank you, Sarah, for the question. Who's next? Hi, this is Maria from Connecticut. I have a question. Your turn, Maria. Go ahead. Hi, thank you so much for your share. I was wondering if you could talk a little more specifically about how you meditate. Um, well, yeah, I could. <laughs> uh, you know, when I um about you know, it sort of coincided. I was thinking about, no, a couple of years before I did the big book work. Um, I was telling my then, you know, one of the outside people I see, whether I, um, you know, I, I do all this reading, I do all this OA reading in the morning. I read this and I read that. and I'm, I have like seven different things I read at the time. You know, you know, all these different AA stuff and OA stuff and and uh, wow, and so I, you know, I I thought that was meditation. And the person looked at me and said, "Well, that's meditative reading, but that's not meditation." So I said, "Well, I don't know how to meditate." So um, we practiced, and I remember coming back, and I said, "Well, I only meditated for three minutes. I only was quiet." He goes, "No." You didn't meditate for three minutes. I mean, you didn't meditate only for three minutes because that's a judgment. You meditated for three minutes. So what I began was just setting the timer for a certain amount of time. And, you know, breathing, concentrating on my breathing, mindful mindful breathing, you know, sort of letting my thoughts, you know, they're going to go anyway. They're going to have a life of its own. And you're going to say, oh, yeah, there you are again. Okay, let's get back to the breathing. So I've done many, many, many types of meditation. You know, um, I've done, uh, I, I mean, I don't think I, I should be listing them all here. But so I think you certainly can call me afterwards if you're interested. But I think now... Probably it's like I um, do a lot of breathing, and I'm um, 
and I'm very in touch with my spirit helpers. And that, you know, and I feel, um, and I try to accept whatever happens. It doesn't really have, it doesn't matter. It's sort of like prayer. It's sort of like doing the steps. You don't have to do it one way. You don't even have to do a food plan one way. You know, it doesn't matter how you meditate. The important thing is to meditate. You know, so I don't have any right, rights or wrongs about it, and, and I keep changing, and just like my my writing at night keeps changing over the years, keeps changing. You know, so anyway, but anyone's welcome to call me if they want more information. Thanks. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Carol, for knowing the boundaries on that. Anyone else with a question this morning? Hello. Yes. My name is Jean. Hi, Jean. Go ahead with um, the question. That last question just um, just said something off. I've been um, a day at a time in recovery for a lot of years. I'm old. And... Um, I sit here, and I'm on the spoon call, and I look in front of me, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine books I read every morning. Now, the 24-hour book that I started with years and years ago, um, I'm still reading them. I mean, that's my ritual. And then I sit here in a chair, and I, I be quiet, and I meditate, and I thought, Okay, now that's interesting. She looked at the book she was reading, <laughs> and that kind of hit me because I just came back with my daughters, and I, I I didn't get to read all those books. She's been sick anyway. That that that's it. I'm just like, um, I'd like to do something else instead of read all these nine books. <laughs> all right, that's my question. I guess I guess it's a question. Oh, could you comment on that? Um, all right, I'm not sure the question. So, what's I guess the question? What you're saying is that you would like to do something. I would like to that do you something began different. Looking at it. Like, I've been right. abstinent for a, for a long time, and I feel, you know, um, I'm in recovery, and I still my my old books. I've been in so long, and I I, I do a lot of you know most of my readings are uh, AA books. Then I then I have some codependent books, and I do my Buddhist reading. I mean, and I'm thinking like, okay, should I start to do something different? I'm 79. <laughs> I think that's my question. <laughs> well, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to be 69, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're. Um, I, I, I have no idea. I, I really, I have no idea. Um, I know that what works for me is usually if something, someone says something and it's like I begin to question, think, oh, maybe that is something that I need to look at more. Um, so I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what, you know what, I, I have, I'm, it's very hard for me to figure out what's good for me so it's certainly hard for us to figure out what's good for anybody else. I get so, that. <laughs> you know, but um, but I think it's wonderful that you're absent in program, and um, and if you want to shake it up a little bit, who knows? You know, I, I don't I don't know. You know, if if it's 
still something important to you, then God bless you. I think that's great. Um, I just needed, for me, I just needed to move more into meditation. That that was what I, um, and I love the readings. I, I actually love reading my big book with someone, and I love reading. And I used to read all of those other books. I actually don't read them anymore. But that doesn't mean anything. I, I love I, I love the reading. I love to listen at meetings when, when we, we have reading. Because um, they're beautiful pearls of wisdom. But for me, I need to quiet my mind. Um, my mind's going all the time. And uh, I need to, I, for me, I need to move into my heart more uh, and into my breath. So, um, so that's sort of my movement. But I think anybody... You know, people are asking you to do what is the best for you. So, bless you. Thank you, Jean, for the question. And perhaps that question is a great example of the title, actually, of this presentation, A Gift That Grows With Time, that our spiritual awakening allows us to continue to grow. It's limitless. And with willingness, we can be taken to a place we don't even know exists. Carol, I want to thank you for your time this morning and your presentation. We appreciate your service this morning, sharing with us your transformation as a result of these 12 steps. Thank you for being another example of what's possible through this program of recovery. And I'm going to close with the reading from page 164 from the chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.